Welcome to Flick Pals, your occasional podcast where a bunch of idiots describe the plot of a film to one of their friends who hasn't seen it. Usually that's the case. This week it's just going to be two friends talking about a movie they both seen because uh, they can't get their friends, uh, other friends to uh, participate on time. Uh, my name is Doug. Um, with me is returning champ Jeff Andreessen. No alias. No alias. That's my that's my thing. <laughs> Our friends are assholes. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and uh, it's not it's not no surprise that we're we're the friends with kids. I think like this is this mm. is this makes a lot of sense. And we're readily right? available on a weekend night. Exactly. The podcast. Yep. That sounds about right. It's actually amazing that we ever see any movies. Um, that's but, you know. Hey, if I didn't have a job that allowed me to have the day off uh, on a weekday, um, you know, where the kids are already in daycare, I don't think I would ever see a movie that's not on Netflix. And I'd probably fall asleep watching it halfway through, maybe. Yeah. But uh, I got a chance to go see this movie, and the movie we're talking about this week is Blade Runner. Is it 2048? 2046. No. Really? Yeah. I, I'm gonna okay. First fact trick check of the night, guys. I don't believe that. Um, but yeah, Actually, now I'm not sure either. It's Blade Runner, some year in the future. Um, oh no, we're both wrong. It's 2049. Okay, 2049. Oh, that's embarrassing. I guess. I mean, it, but that's a pretty horrible uh, name for the movie, right? It's just not a good year. Like the wine wasn't good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But it doesn't even have any like historical like precedent like uh, like it like if you named it like I think it 2016 and it was you know 28 years and it was part of the cycle after the original one it kind of makes sense but I don't I don't see the significance. I think it's four years after the original. I think that's the idea. That's it. I think so. Oh, I thought it was much longer. Anyway, we've got a lot to say about this movie, and we are very uninformed, so I can't wait to get into it. Um, but, of course, we have to talk about, uh, since this is a sequel, we have to talk about uh, the previous film, uh, I would imagine. And uh, I assume that you'd love the previous film. And and before you interrupt, I just want to say that because it's touted as being like one of the great, most visionary films, uh, at least of you know, science fiction, uh, maybe of all time, uh, but just in the greater context of movies. Um, but I think I saw it at the wrong age where I was too young to really appreciate it. Yeah. Um, and I heard a, a beautiful summary, like one of these like couple word summaries, which I think they should have just told, or I, I would have known where it's just a film noir piece set in the future Los Angeles instead of the past Los Angeles. Yeah, that's pretty much it. I mean, noir is all about, you know, noir was post-World War II, kind of questioning, um, you know, the value of human life, and you know, after such devastation, and, and that sort of darkness about how cheap life is, or cheap life can be, um, kind of questioning some existential thoughts about humanity. So Blade Runner certainly fits into that mold. Um, it's It's... It's a little ridiculous because it's kind of like where the setup is. There's a video I saw recently kind of parroting it where E. Emmett Walsh, a great character actor, you know, I don't know whatever he plays, the chief of the Blade Runners, calls Harrison's, Harrison Ford in. He's just like, you got to kill these things. And he's like, why? And he's like, because they die in six years. <laughs> he's just like, how long have they been around? He's like, oh, they've been around about six years. <laughs> it's kind of like, what, what is the point of this? Um, you know, they're going to – they they're going to die. Like they're just going to die by themselves sort of. So this whole thing about tracking them down and killing them. Um, wasn't it something to like, you know, as they get close to death, they kind of like the, I guess they get erratic, they they get get erratic. erratic and, and you know, it's like, you know, they just become, they don't obey. Uh, it's, well, it's not like they were obedient to begin with because these were like the rogue, um, right. whatever and, they, Android. So these are what this is about, uh, now they say biomechanical, so we led to believe that these are like some kind of. Obviously, it's synthetic life somehow. Yeah. But yeah. the fact that they mentioned it was some biomechanical, I think, is what uh, the introduction of the new movie said. So were they like part living flesh? I mean, they bleed. I think so. Yeah. No, I think that they they can bleed and um feel certainly i mean they they it takes more to harm them and to hurt them i think but, i believe um, it was a great governor that once said if it bleeds we can kill it 
That's right. Another great governor said, I ain't got time to bleed. <laughs> In that same movie. What? I'm just yeah. waiting for uh, the guy who plays Duncan to like run for Alabama of, or Alabama <laughs> governor or something. I don't it's know. It's coming. It's coming, I think. But uh, yeah, so uh, I mean, just I don't want to recap the first movie. Uh, I think we all know it's Harrison Ford plays uh, a detective, I guess, but he's really more of just an assassin that's out to put yeah. down these machines so i mean detective work is just part of his job description it's not the be all end all um it's search and destroy i guess and yeah, uh, he, he's he's a cop i i heard a good description of the movie the other day that's basically it gives the movie more credit and i i have some issues with blade runner it's not my favorite i like it i like it for lots of reasons that some of them don't even have to do with the movie but anyway the description was um you know, the movie's about a cop killing people who don't count as people. And I thought that was a really interesting take because it fits right. very well into a kind of issues of police brutality and the Black Lives Matters movement that we see happening now. Um, I don't think that the movie thinks that that's what it's about. I don't I think that's giving the movie way too much credit. Um, I mean, they are slaves, certainly. And, and I think part of the reason why they act erratic towards the end of their lives is because they've been slaves their whole lives and they feel like they know their lives are ending and they want to kind of embrace some sense of freedom. Right. And, and he is certainly, he feels conflicted about having to track them down and kill them to a certain extent. I think that's why he's like not really excited to do it in the beginning um, and gets dragged back into it. But that's kind of it. Like there's not really a lot that they do with that aspect of it. No, so. and I will say that, uh, you know, Snacks was here. He calls any mention of philosophy in a pop culture movie uh, dime store philosophy. But uh, when when you get into movies like this, it is dealing with the nature of life. And this bleeds over with all sorts of all not just like societal things like, you know, you know, what what constitutes life. You get into the abortion uh, uh you know, conversation, um, just in AI in general, uh, you know, when do we, you know, when does something pass the Turing test or when can we say something is, uh, alive? So we have all these qualifiers for what, uh, life, you know, is and yeah. whether it can be manufactured. And obviously I think they blur that in the first movie intentionally, yes. uh, but it's more of like a philosophical thought piece instead of maybe a great narrative, would you say? I, it's that, and I think it's it's a production art oh, yeah. masterpiece. Yep. Like that's that's the real reason to watch the first one. Um, I also really love the novel that it's based on, and it gets into those questions of humanity and especially identity um, a lot a lot more clearly, while also not being so clear because it's Philip K. Dick and his writing is paranoid he was schizophrenic he had lots of mental health issues and it clearly comes through his paranoid is all how it clearly comes through in his writing now that's and a famous book, name what else has he written sorry to interrupt uh i mean his the, he he wrote the book that that movie's based on right. um do androids dream of electric sheep he wrote the man in the high castle which is now the amazon series which is right. uh, the you know nazis won world war ii the nazis and the japanese won world war ii and took over america um, what else did he do? God, I'm blanking, but he's, I mean, he's responsible for the short story that became minority report. He's, he's definitely been mined in Hollywood over and over again. Um, right. And his, his books are paranoid. Uh, oh, uh, scanner darkly, which that's, that, I think that was the most recent one that I'm, I'm thinking of. Yeah. 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 And that's, that's a really good adaptation of that book. Um, and again, that movie deals with cops who are kind of, you know, their identity is very much in flux. Um, and and aren't they are not always entirely sure of who they are or what they are and that and that was something that he was he was actually experiencing with his mental health issues and it comes through clearly in the book and reading it it's weird it, it makes you feel very strange reading it because it's very funny like that's yeah. a thing that I don't, I don't think people give him enough credit for it, it they they they're done right like almost light in how they're kind of pondering this stuff <laughs> exhaustively um and there's there's a plot still. It's not like it's like incomprehensible. Um, but what's interesting for me about Blade Runner is that there's lots of stuff in the book that's just sort of in the background. Like there's this whole subplot about people owning birds, and the the birds aren't real. They're like fake birds, but they can they can for some reason they can make the birds look more lifelike than than they can animals. So like birds 
are like this big commodity. If you get a real one, that's very rare. It's very expensive. If you get a fake one, that's fine. Everybody has a fake one. So if you watch the movie in the background, there's always like birds everywhere. Yeah, um, I remember the owl, the fake owl that was in the office, I think, when Decker meets uh, Rachel for the first time. Right. I think. Yep. And and there's like the dove, of course, at the end with right. Edgar Howard. But it's just like scenes where like he's just walking down, like Harrison Ford is just walking down the street. There's like ostriches and shit in the background. It's just really strange. <laughs> um, and it's and it's just like what the, what, what the fuck are these birds doing here? And I think that that was just something that they took from the book. And I, I liked it because they don't they don't talk about it at all. It never comes up. Maybe it was in the script. I don't know. Um, but I just like that he just kind of cherry picks these details in the book and puts it in there. Well, then so it the makes production. it seem unique and it's, you know, and it's not completely out of nowhere, too. Um, exactly. It fleshes the world out more. And he doesn't need to call attention to it. And so right. here's where the birds are coming from. And so I, I, I really appreciate the production aspect of it because I, it's it's unique. It's beautiful. It, it kind of, you know, has its own kind of feel. Um but it's also pulling from the source in a, in a smart way. But the story is in the story is not terribly different from the book. The book just does better things with it. And the characters are more, more you care about them more. Um, but it, it's just kind of, it's just kind of there. It's very sort of, it's unsatisfying. I think the story is unsatisfying. And, uh, once again, I, I want to get to this movie, the new movie, but, um, I know there were several cuts of the film, and the last one seems to be the most uh, agreed upon by maybe fans or critics, and that's the one where it um, makes it almost clear that Decker is maybe a, a replicant. I think that it's it's not clear, um, and, and the, the thing is that Ridley Scott firmly believes that he's not. Um, which is confusing because, because Harrison main, Ford doesn't, I think Harrison Ford disagrees with him, right? They well, Harrison Ford argue. also doesn't think he is, but Weird. Weird. <laughs> this is where it gets confusing. But during the making of the movie, Scott liked the idea enough to start suggesting it, which is why at right. the end, the origami bird shows up. Like Scott put that there and, and Ford was like, what the fuck? I thought we agreed that I'm not one of these things. Well, I mean, I but, think it makes so, it, it, it's better. Question marks are good. Yeah, um, to a certain extent, you know what I mean. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah, and I think that in some ways this this movie is very smart in that it lets that question kind of lay there. It doesn't answer that question. Yeah, that's fine. One way or another. Yeah, I I agree. Um, it makes it more interesting in some ways. I was I was pretty sure that they were gonna definitely kind of like answer it. Um, well, that's the thing is, uh, I thought watching this movie, they almost, they did. And then I, and you know, I left the theater and then I, uh, you know, watched the YouTube review where people were arguing over it and they think it confirmed it to the opposite. And like, what? Um, I, I so, spoke to many people who were, who thought that for sure it meant that he was, he was one. That's what, and that's my, the way I came I was, out of it. I was leaning towards that he wasn't. Um, but I but I did acknowledge that there was at least the possibility of it. Yeah, um, which I thought was again. I just thought it was really smart. That's um, fine. Yeah, I I think I think it's fine. Like hearing their their uh, reasoning behind it, I was like, I guess I could see that. But there were several things that made me th- think that, um, I, I, you know, that I I left with a strong feeling initially that Deckard was a replicant. Yeah. Uh, but let's get into them from this movie. Um, you're. My initial uh, instinct was, or review was, I enjoyed it. Um, I've heard criticism that this was overly long, slow-paced, and I didn't find that to be the case. I mean, it was a long movie, but I feel like it was as long as it needed to be to get what it wanted accomplished. Um, did great tone setting. Um, uh, the production design was was great. I mean, obviously they were... It's, it's odd because they were trying to reference the original, and I thought they did a pretty good job. Um, with not, with keeping that eighties dystopian future kind of like present. I don't know. I, I enjoyed this film. Didn't love it. I liked it a lot. Your feelings. I I loved it. I, I, I loved it more than I thought I would. I was very cautious because the early buzz was like film Twitter was just shitting its pants over this thing. And I was like, I don't know. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, uh, it is long. I was never bored. Yeah. And it's not, it's not, it's not fast paced either like nope. it's not like it's rip roaring or anything like that but i was never bored and i thought like when i left i was i was very satisfied it it really made me much more so than the original and i i like it a lot more than the original it made me kind of think about the central question at its core a lot more 
Um, I, th- I think it's I think it's visually superior to the first one. Wow. It does. I really do. I think that it, it uses a lot of the the world building of the first one and just takes it to a whole nother place. And beside the production design and the futuristic cityscapes, um, it's just gorgeous. Like it's just shot so well. Yeah. Um, there's, there's a couple things that rub me the wrong way and there's a few possible plot holes. It kind of depends on how you think of everything fitting together. Um, yeah. But I, uh, I I really really enjoyed it. It's one of my favorite movies of the year for sure. Um, yeah, since I only see like two or three movies of the year, I'm gonna go ahead and say that's <laughs> that's, that's probably up there as well. And every single one I see, I talk about on this podcast. There you so, go. Yeah. It's much better than Alien Covenant. There, yeah, <laughs> but it's it, oh, and speaking of that, I did want to reach that. Uh, I did want to talk about that. Just in in terms of like, uh, you know. The AI and uh, the David character in Alien Covenant and Prometheus, uh, I feel like that's trying to explore a lot of things that uh, the Ryan Gosling character explored and a lot better. <laughs> in this all, the movie. Char- all the characters in this movie are yeah. better than anything with the David character in either of the last two Alien movies. Right, and, and it really struck me when uh, the girl, like assassin replicant, you know, the 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 henchman kisses uh ryan gosling at the end right after she thinks she like gave him the finishing blow yeah uh, and i was like that that just made me think of it's such a david move like a right david, a dick david move totally. <laughs> david from uh prometheus and uh yeah uh whatever that other movie shitty movie was but okay. yeah um I, I i don't know i really liked it uh top to bottom uh it nothing didn't so there might be plot holes as well but nothing didn't not make sense to me like it all kind of like added up like mm-hmm. i expected to be confused by uh this movie and i don't think i was uh really at any point besides once again the decker thing so uh, uh let's do a brief synopsis uh we're not explaining it to any dum-dums unless there's people listening to this who haven't seen the movie and that's fine mm-hmm. uh, um but basically ron gosling oh wait we have instead of narration, we have what three or four paragraphs at the beginning of the film uh, to set the scene. Yes, there's also I don't know if you do this. There's also three because I know you, I know you like these kinds of things. There's three. Um, what are they called? Not prequels, but uh, 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 they did the same thing for the Alien Covenant, like the, web um, things. Or... Yeah, there's these web scenes you can go and watch. Some I the... don't. I don't like that. Yeah, I'm just telling you that they exist. They're actually not bad. Um, there's an anime one that goes into what the blackout was because they refer to the blackout. Yeah, that that seems like it'd be that's a good like that's different enough. I like yeah. I like ancillary or like uh, extra material that. The other two things just seem like deleted scenes. Right. Honestly. That's um, th- yeah. That's what I don't like. I don't like deleted yeah. scenes that weren't good for the film. But hey, maybe you should know this before you go in. Uh, I'd just rather watch the thing you're presenting to me. Yeah. Um, how you want to present it. Uh, but that's interesting. So, yeah, so the movie starts off, basically uh, talks about uh, the end of the last film, how people made replicants, which were off-world slaves, uh, basically robots that uh, had some intelligence, and they were erratic and started to become self-aware, causing trouble. They had Blade Runners take them out, blah, blah, blah. The company that was behind them went under, and a new company, what was it, the Willis Company? What's the the new company? I don't know. Yeah, something like that. A new company bought out the old company and uh, made a lot of money um, because during the famine they were able to synthesize nutrients or feed people somehow with some synthetic uh, protein or who knows. Anyway, made a shitload of money, bought the old uh, company that made, the Tyrell company, that made uh, these replicants and created new ones that are well-behaved. Uh, but there's still some of the old ones running around, and they still have people that go taking care of them, and they call those people Blade Runners. And then we're introduced to Ryan Gosling, who is a Blade Runner out there trying to retire these old replicants that are out and about. And they're very upfront right from the beginning that yeah. he is a replicant. Yeah. No no tomfoolery. It's just very clear, which I really appreciated because I was worried that this was going to be another, like, is he or isn't he kind of thing. And it's just like, right. You know, and yeah, and I and I thought that okay, well they're telling us right up front that's nice, but uh, and I don't know the movie just keeps kept going from like one mystery to the next. Like there was one you know grand mystery going through, but like it definitely answered enough questions along the way. I don't know. Um, 
So yeah, you find out on his first assignment, he's killing uh, Drax the Destroyer, um, you know, a uh, former whatever medical soldier. Uh, he's a farmer now, and he takes him down and becomes aware that, you know, Ryan Gosling is a replicant. Um, he's got a flat affect. He's a good one, one of the new ones. Uh, anyway, he's one of these guys. He notices some weird stuff. Um uh, finds a child's sock, and there's uh, buried bones in the yard. I don't know how much I want to get into. <laughs> I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to summarize this whole bot. But basically, he he he's led down this um, whatever mystery, trying to find uh, what was going on. It looks like a replicant might have given birth, which is un uh, unprecedented, obviously. Um, and he's ordered to find the child and kill it. Right. Because um, this is this is such a scary prospect that we can't allow the thought to sort of continue. So that yeah, so there's two I would say main antagonists. You have uh Ryan Gosling's boss who is so afraid of the status quo going uh you know out the window. So he's like this could break the world. <laughs> people find out that replicants can uh, reproduce um and then the ceo played by jared leto which he didn't annoy me as much as i thought he would but it was still not he's also good. not in it that much yeah which really helps. thankfully he's only got like a couple scenes and he's got his weird little drones flying around like right. by the mc um and it helps that his murderous assistant robot is phenomenal like that right that She's woman great. is like incredible so yeah. So, um, so the corporation finds out about it and they want to find the baby not to destroy it, but to dissect it, to create, uh, you know, more replicants that can replicate themselves, which that's when the whole kind of, that's a plot hole for me because guess what? You could just design a replicant who can build more replicants because he wants trillions of replicants to go out to, uh, colonize the universe, the stars. For humanity, I, I, I don't understand. It, I saw it more of him feeding off the sort of playing God thing. Yeah, and he even says, you know, Decker says, "You obviously don't have children. I have millions." Right. Yeah, I guess I don't know, but the whole thing is, yeah, it, I guess he wants it. It's just like David in the stupid fucking Alien movies. If you have a replicant who can build another replicant, that's reproduction. Now that's not human reproduction, uh, but it's reproduction. Like if you can create something that if you can create life, synthetic life or otherwise, and that synthetic life can create another synthetic life, like that's good enough, right? I think that his issue, and I could be wrong here, is that he says he can't. He can only make so many. Um, and I think what I think that that has to do with is that um, he's essentially like running low on what he needs to make them. Because the you know there's there's just they basically stripped away all the resources they go into making them. Ah, uh, that um, seems like a jump to me. I I never got that indication. Okay, it just seemed know, like he was limited somehow with making them, and he had to have some kind of firsthand knowledge of it. Like I like I said, what's I mean, why couldn't he make a replicant who could make other replicants, or like replicants that can make replicant factories? I don't know. Yeah. Whatever. So anyway, you got these two antagonists. You got Ryan Gosling's boss that wants everything kept on the low because she's afraid that human psyche will not be able to handle the paradigm shift of whatever. She's not even worried about the replicants. She's worried about how society will react to it. She wants to keep all that safe. And then you have the CEO that wants this child to experiment with it and use it for his own gains. And then Ryan Gosling stuck in the middle, and it's hinted that maybe Ryan Gosling is this miracle child, right? Yeah. yeah. And the fact that because, they mentioned that, why? Oh, yeah, his memories. Well, because he has this memory yeah. of, um, and it's 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 kind of like an echo to the origami that Deckard finds in the original of being chased by these boys in this like factory setting because they want his like little wooden horse. Um, which is something that he finds in the dig with the remains of the woman, the skeleton, the replicant skeleton who gave birth to the replicant child. Right. Um, 
and, or, or something like that. He finds traces of something there. It's um, weird because he, he like, finds another one in the orphanage factory. Thing. Right. Right. So he hide, he hides the, the horse um, from the from the from the boys in his memory. Um, so he and he eventually goes back there and he finds it. And so he's convinced because he has this memory um, that he he could be this human um, boy. Because the thing is, but the replicants is they they're not they're not supposed to have real memories. They're supposed to have manufactured memories right. that are just giving them the appearance of having a childhood. Because um, somehow it it leads to you know personality and decision making, right? Whatever they think it's like one of the key ingredients in uh, whatever self aware uh, AI whatever. Mm-hmm. But uh, then it comes down to we we didn't even mention this. He has a uh, Siri kind of girlfriend situation, kind of like yeah. her and mixed with. Um, Ex Machina. So, like, I felt like this movie kind of synthesized a lot of other movies and kind of did it. Not better, but and not in every case, but I think pretty goddamn great. Uh, like, I felt yeah, like it dealt with a lot of Ex Machina stuff. I felt like it de- dealt with a lot of her, uh, that movie. The um, relationship with his girlfriend felt very much like her. Um, and I and I mean that as a compliment. I really like her. Um, but, like, that that's definitely what it felt like to me. Yeah. And I, I thought it almost did a better job. I think it's very clear in her that you're supposed to believe that Scarlett Johansson's character is alive and like just a real AI. Right. I think this movie did a much better job asking the question of whether or not she's right. alive, yeah. which kind of is perfect because that's sort of the question that you're supposed to be asking or, and, and there, here's the other thing, like, yes, is she alive? Yes, maybe, but how much of it matters, which is a whole other thing that it kind of gets into. Right. Um, but I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit, I think. So no, I, I think that's good uh, because that that whole that's like once again that's a movie in and of itself, and it yeah. it like it has steps. Like he has a real relationship where he gets her a gift and she's can be whatever exist outside of the thing, and then she gets a later she hires a prostitute who is a replicant, uh, who's part of the replicant rebellion. By the way. Uh, we'll find and, out later. Yeah. yeah, and basically the I don't I can't get into it too much. Anyway, there's a weird uh, menage a trois between three robots, <laughs> or maybe two that, robots that, and one computer accurate. program. Yeah, two of the robots kind of merge, which is sort of a hypnotizing scene. Yeah, um, but yes, that's that's pretty much what happens. But anyway, uh, he has a robust relationship with this um, computer a, program, a, essentially robust. A robust, Robo- oh, oh robot, uh, yeah, very good. Yeah, no, that's not gonna it, work. It almost worked. Well, well, that's that's draft one. We'll work on it. <laughs> okay. But uh, yeah, so uh, this whole mystery, um, and he's starting to question himself. Oh, I like the interrogation. So like, after uh, a Blade Runner or probably a replicant Blade Runner comes back from anything traumatic. They are constantly nervous that the the replicants are going to be, I don't know, rebellious like their older models. So they have to go through like this interrogation, alignment. yeah, baseline, yeah, checking their the baseline, baseline. Yeah. yeah. So basically, it's yelling at them in this like uh, <laughs> in this like sensory deprivation room and having them repeat certain words and then you know maybe reading their vital signs. I don't know, uh, but I thought that was really effective. I liked. Yeah, it seemed like it was the this movie's version of the interview questions that Decker would ask a replicant to find out if they're a replicant. Yeah, um, it's much more fast paced. It's much more re- repetitive, and the replicants are repeating things. I, I really, I really enjoyed those scenes too. I thought I, I didn't know what the hell was going on, um, but but I thought they were effective. Yeah, so. they were definitely affected. I felt I felt it more like I felt the aggressive and I aggressive nature and like the. I don't know. I felt like I was being interrogated. I don't know. I I thought it was done really well. Um, so anyway, this this robot uh, Ryan Gosling is having this crisis of faith, trying to figure out who he is, what he is, if he's alive, and he's supposed to be one of the obedient ones. He can't basically lie or say no or any of that crap. And uh, you know, he's starting to worry about self preservation when it becomes clear he really thinks it's he, it's himself, and he gets this confirmation by. 
wanting to go to uh, the person that makes the false memories that they implant inside replicants, and it turns yes. out to be this, um, I don't know, woman who's in her 20s, let's say. Uh, yeah, 30s, I think. Maybe 30s. Anyway, uh, this, you know, woman who's in a uh, hermetically sealed, like, bubble, and she is able to create these false memories that can be implanted with this basically camera lens looking device. Now, uh, before we get to this scene, though, we should mention that at some point he learns that um, it's possible that the replicant mother had twins. Oh, yeah. And that the twins were separated and that the girl went somewhere and died of, uh, I think, a genetically uh, some kind of genetic disease. Yeah, didn't survive. Um, yeah, so they're dropping right. hints. Uh, along the Which way. Which means that you're supposed to think, well, the boy lived, and that's even more evidence to think that, oh, the boy is probably right. grew up to be Ryan Gosling. Right. So, so yeah, they find out that the there's two children with the same genetic code, which is impossible, uh, but exists, right. whatever. And, you know, the uh, the program girlfriend's egging him on the whole time, telling him, see, I told you you're special, you're, you know, this, you're, you're great, blah, blah, blah. Uh, anyway, so he goes to meet the, the woman who creates memories, and he says, can you tell if a memory is real or fake? Has her look at his memory somehow. And <laughs> yeah, let's not get into that. <laughs> yeah. And she's crying and says, this really happened. Um, Which is also something that they're not supposed to have. They're not supposed right. to have real memories, right. which is another interesting thing. So so it's weird. Um, so he, he freaks, freaks out. out. Yep. Yeah. He's, he's kind of... He's off the deep end. Uh, he's going on this like kind of like investigation, and he comes back. They interrogate him, pick him up, interrogate him. He can't pass baseline. He's in real trouble. They might have to terminate him. And then he tells his boss exactly what she wants to hear, thus lying to her that he found the child and or the you know replicant and destroyed it. And she's just so blinded by wanting that to be true, she believes it, um, and says. Well, you know, thanks for this. I can get you out of the door, but you got another baseline check in 48 hours. If you don't pass that, you're on your own. I can't do anything to save you at that point. So she's kind of like, just dumb. Yeah. (laughs) Just kind of out of character dumb. Uh, But whatever. I was willing to say that. I think this is supposed to give you a a sense of how obedient these robots are. Like, she really believes him. Um, And And so out of character for him to lie. Right. It's just he'd never do it. Um, so, yeah. So, uh, you know, the whole time um, Jared Leto's the evil CEO wants uh, the replicant child and is sending his, uh, basically his, you know, his uh, office uh, clerical worker, uh, basically secretary. Slash assassin. Yeah, slash assassin robot after... Uh, you know, going, she's collecting all sorts of, uh, whatever, stealing things, killing people, uh, just basically getting whatever, uh, Jared Leto's evil maniacal ass wants. Um, and she wants a child. So she's trailing Ryan Gosling's character and eventually, um, kills the, the Ryan Gosling's boss. Yes. For whatever reason. Um, which was a good scene. I thought they did a good thing. Good, good scene where. Yeah, uh, it's very, it's interesting because I mean, she's, she kills somebody before this too. And so it's clear that these rules do not apply to her. Right. Um, and so you're kind of left wondering, well, why is she special? And for a, a little while I was starting to wonder if she was the kid. Replicate. Oh, that's, that's a good point. She, I don't know that. that. Yeah. I don't know. I, I was just like, what's going on with this? Um, and it's never really answered. It never, they never really go into it, which is fine. Yeah. Um, but it just made me kind of wonder, I just chalked it up to the fact that like, in order for her to be effective, right. Uh, Jared she needs Leto more of just, an ego or more of a, right. And yeah, he's, he breaks the rules for her because right. um, right. it's his pet essentially. But she's great. Um, and the details kind of fall apart after there. Um, I know that, he takes the little wooden uh, horse. Oh, by the way, he goes at some point. He goes to see uh, um, uh, the guy from Battlestar Galactica. Uh, Edward James Olmos. Edward yeah. James Olmos. And Edward James Olmos is playing a retired um, Colonel Sanders, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> 
in like this all white suit with a black t- bow tie, and he makes a uh, origami horse or look like a bull to me, but I'm gonna assume it's a horse now. Assuming that Edward James almost somehow can can psychically read Ryan Gosling's memories, maybe. No, I didn't. I didn't put that together. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. Right, because didn't Edward James almost make the origami unicorn? He did. Yep. So, even more evidence that you're like, okay, well, you know, this is the guy's memories. This is Ryan Gosling something special? Anyway, right. he analyzes the wood, finds it's from a really radioactive area, and it turns out to be basically Las Vegas, I guess. Yes. Um, and Las Vegas was hit by. I guess still radioactive, still not good for people to be. But he goes there and checks it out. He finds bees. He finds um, Decker. I love the is... discovery of bees. This whole sequence was amazing, and a lot of it's in the trailers. So by the time it arrives, it's kind of late in the movie. By the time it arrives, you're like, oh, so who cares? I've seen this. But still, the way it's kind of the way it's revealed slowly is really kind of incredible. And the bees, you're just like, what the fuck is this? Right. Um, but it, but it makes sense. It's just like how. Deckard's living essentially like he's got to have a food supply but so. I thought this was another account for why Decker was probably a replicant because he's living in this hostile environment he's able to live there yeah, yeah. that's true that's possible but even I, I would assume the radiation would have an effect on replicants too I mean because they're flesh right I mean I don't uh, know I don't yeah. know either it's, <laughs> it's once again unclear probably intentionally I guess so. maybe since he's living in the hotel you know the Riviera is radiation free. Sure, <laughs> but then Ryan Gosling's like sitting on like a balcony on like a lounging chair. Yeah, it, it's really that's weird. Not, that's it, not to think of these things. Yeah, it's really strange. Whatever. Uh, but uh, once again, it's just one of these things where I want to see what happens next. I was bought in, right. so I wasn't asking these questions, which is always good. Um, but anyway, he meets Decker. They they have a, a robot fight, <laughs> and uh, yeah. you so, know, set to like Elvis. Flickering holograms, yeah. which was kind of amazing. You didn't like that? I thought it was okay. Like I liked right. how it was different age, like different, like throughout the ages. Like uh, it had like an there's you know old crooner and Elvis and then disco right. and like it was I, just all over the place. Kind of like I loved it. I was fine. Um, yeah, didn't love it. Didn't hate it. So I was fine. Anyway, uh, he asked Decker questions and said, you know, had to hide the child. Blah 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 blah. I didn't want to know anything about it. So he knew that. And just to make clear, Rachel, the woman that Deckard runs away with. Right. At the end of Blade Runner um, is the mother of, of the child. So, of the, and, and the chosen one. Child. Yes. And died in childbirth. So. Right. Um, and, you know, Deckard doesn't want, didn't want to know where the child was because he didn't want the child to be experimented upon and all that other shit. So he's willing to let it go. Um, and he's testy about the questions anyway. Um, oh yeah. And before this point, um, Ryan Gosling, uh, realizes that he's going to have to be on the run going forward and his computer program girlfriend wants to go with him. So, uh, she's not backed up. It's like having an iPhone with all your pictures on it and no backup, (laughs) but I'm going to relate it to you guys anyway. Uh, so she's there and, because he took his cop car, maybe, and uh, the assassin who kills his cop boss looks at his location, um, finds out where he is, and sends goons uh, to go, whatever, retrieve Gosling and who, whatever's there, including Decker, because she's still looking for the kid. Um, the goons show up, kick everybody's ass. Um, Gosling's able to get away. Decker gets taken captive back to the lair, evil lair. And... Um, uh, Gosling runs into uh, basically the the replicant uh, rebellion. Um, yep. You know they're explaining what's going on. And they're like, "Oh yeah, the child we got to protect her." He's like, "What are you talking about her?" And then yeah, it's, it's me. <laughs> and then she's like, like, "You didn't think you were the chosen one, did you?" Dummy. Oh, <laughs> uh, that was great. Does crestfallen. I mean, I I kind of felt like he wasn't the the chosen one from the beginning because it's one of those things you wouldn't reveal that so early in the. Um, movie yeah i thought i thought it was at least a possibility because given given the twin stuff yeah i, but did I too. was also really confused and i was i was wondering how it was going to play out because it is dramatically inert 
you know, kind of doing that. The really dumb thing is that they, they kind of set this whole thing up with this other female twin with a genetic disease and not for a second did I, did I really seriously think that it would be the, the woman in the bubble. Neither like did I, I. I. Not even for thought, a minute. The thought maybe crossed my mind briefly, but never never about the genetic disease thing. Never. And it's so obvious. It's just like sitting yep. right there. And you, and then at the end, you're like, oh, of course. That makes so much sense for so many different reasons. Yep. By the way, um, guys, spoiler alert. Yeah, sorry. I spoiled the movie. <laughs> she's, she's the chosen one. Um, <laughs> or whatever. I don't know if she's even... She can't do that much. She's in a fucking bubble. She can just make memories. What's the big deal? Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, who knows? There, there's questions about that, but uh, we'll get to that when we when we can. But anyway, uh, the the replicant rebellion doesn't really do anything. I think that was really unsatisfying for me. Um, it felt almost like they were setting up like another movie. Yeah, that's what it seemed like. Or at least, or at least they're kind of suggesting that you know by by sort of. By arguing for their existence, they're they're arguing that they're alive. And one other thing that you forgot to mention is that when the goons show up, um, oh yeah. yeah, his his joy, his his Scarlett Johansson girlfriend, uh, who's not backed up, gets killed essentially. She's crushed yeah. by the evil Jared assassin, yeah. evil assistant assassin. Um, so she's dead, um, and that was surprisingly. That that worked for me in that moment, and yeah. it set up another moment later on that made me kind of rethink her as a character entirely, which I'll right. get to later. And that was effective. Um, yep. Yeah. So that I that I just think that that's worth mentioning. And then you go from that to all these people who are like, we're we're special, and we're going to fight for our rights. Oh, but we're not that special. Like we all. Oh, think and we're neither that special. neither are you. Because... And neither are you. <laughs> right. Oh, did you think you were special? Oh, sweetie. Oh, yeah. sweetie. And then even even beyond that, they basically say, now you have to go kill this guy. Yeah, you have um, to basically kill the guy you thought was your father. Right, because to protect the person who is the actual replicant baby. And, and so it, that just yeah. kind of puts him right back where he started with, like, you know, <laughs> he's, he's hunting doing someone what, down yeah. and killing someone. Yep. Yeah. Very, it, It's very good. And once again, still a crisis of faith. Um, he doesn't know what's going on. Um, but, and you feel that. Um, yeah, Ryan Gosling, Ryan Gosling did a great job, uh, and I will say, I, I, how do I feel about Ryan Gosling? Uh, I'm not a big critic of actors. I, I either think somebody's a great actor if they do something that really stands out, or a really horrible actor. Everybody else is kind of in between. And I will say that Ryan Gosling does the best when he's kind of like in an Arnold Schwarzenegger role, like in Terminator, where he's playing kind of like a flat affect, like in Drive. I think I enjoyed him in Drive, but he was being almost like a mute (laughs) for the most part. I enjoyed him in this movie because he kind of played a robot, and he had kind of like a flat affect, and uh, I think it worked. Um, But I felt, I mean, the, the, the... I just felt the confusion and the uh, delusion and this, like, lack of knowing what's going on or questioning yourself. It was great. Um, But anyway... Uh, so yeah, he's tasked with going to kill Han Solo again, and I'm like, oh god, this better not be fucking, uh, The Force Awakens. Uh, and I really thought it was gonna be at some point. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I, I, there was, you know, when it comes down later in the movie, uh, but, uh, but, but yeah, he's tasked with going to do that, he doesn't know what he wants to do, he's just wandering around aimlessly, um, and he gets stopped by, uh, basically, uh, advertisement for a joy unit, basically the same girlfriend he had before right or something similar yes similar similar and he has a conversation or exchange where he realizes oh everything's a that was a lie too yeah i mean the ad (laughs) is essentially and this is this is the thing that is also that creeps up on you in the movie the ad in one way or another is is throughout the entire movie yeah you see Um, it it's in the background it's it's just always there and it's essentially like She'll she'll say whatever you want to hear. She'll right. do whatever you want to do. And, you know, you you take that in and there's a part of you that sort of wonders, like, how real is this relationship? Right. right. But in that moment, like when when he's basically getting hit on by like another version of this ad, it puts it puts that it puts her character into such question. Right. 
because all she's doing is saying you're special, you're special, you're special, you're special. He buys into it completely. And then he's told later, oh, no, you're just another one of us. You're not special. Everybody wants to be special, but you're not special. Right. And, and that just makes him feel like, what the fuck? Like, am I just doing what I'm Am I, am I just doing what people tell me to do and that's it? Am I like her um, where I'm just sort of like programmed and that's all there is to it? Or do I have a choice? Is, is there any kind of like consciousness really happening here? Right. And the only um, and the only like, I guess, message that he cloms onto is the people in the rebellion say, hey, you know, life is shitty. The only thing you can do is kill yourself in a noble pursuit, basically. Right. Yeah. Giving your life for something is the most human thing you can do. Right. Um, which he does. Right. It, it's just he does it. He did it his Yeah, exactly. Way. He's not. Exactly. <laughs> Sorry. No, no, it's perfect. Because, yes, he he doesn't kill Decker. He basically saves Decker. saves Decker and fakes his own death, which I question the, like, what do they not have, like, <laughs> 18th century investiga- like, investigative, <laughs> uh, they can't go in that water to see what's going on with the body if they don't find a yeah, body. It doesn't, that sense. doesn't make a lot of sense. Let's jump at, let's not jump ahead. Anyway, uh, so he gets, uh, in his flying car and decides to Decker, oh, Decker meets with, um, Jared Leto and Jared Leto tries to tempt him like, you know, you know, Satan in the desert, whatever, uh, with Jesus and Decker. And here's, here's the scene where you really question whether or not Deckard's a replicant because right Leto basically just lays it out and said did you did you do were, were your choices like your own choices or were you programmed to do them and right then you know Harrison Ford kind of says you know I know I know what I am or something like that but you his voice his performance definitely like questions whether or right. not that's true so and he um, says and he brings up the the Rachel um uh, the Rachel replicant that he fell in love with, he's like, did you think she wasn't, she just, you met her by happen chance? Do you think she wasn't specifically designed to meet you at that moment for you to fall in love with those, those lips or whatever? Basically saying like anybody can be programmed or, you know, we are all programmed essentially. Maybe not him, but I don't know where that philosophy ends, whether it's everybody but him or basically it's just questioning. Yeah. It's, it's just mirroring Ryan Gosling's entire experience of, like you said, the central thing. Are we all like on a rail? Kind of like the Bioshock thing. Yeah. The, it's it's very questioning, like, you know, how human nature. Free will. How, yeah, free will. Are we all programmed? Are we are none of us special? Are we just doing what we're told to do? And um, if, if we're doing what we're told to do, like instead of these robots being alive, maybe people are all robots. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I, I just wanted to say something stupid and yeah. sound profound. Uh, you did a good job. Thank you. <laughs> you were programmed to do that. I think. Oh, there you no. go. Uh, yeah. But anyway, so he decides to uh, save Decker. Uh, there's another robot battle between the assassin and him. A uh, great robot battle. It actually works really well. And uh, it's like on the seashore or like a fake seashore. Yeah, I don't know what's going on there. I don't know where they are. Well, they have like this it's, wall that protects the city from the right, sea somehow. Right. And they're kind of like they're whatever. They crash there. The convoy crashes the there, ships. right? And uh, Decker's in fear of drowning, and he's tied up in the in the thing. And and uh, yeah, that's the, that's where we have like the girl assassin. Her like uh, personality really comes out. How like she's like I'm the best. She's like I'm the best one. Basically right. echoing what Jared Leto was telling her. Like you're the you're the greatest of all my angels. Uh, essentially, you know she liked that. So that feeling of being special and unique. Right. So she she is the chosen one in her mind. She wants to be special. She is the best one. Essentially, right. and she kisses Ryan Gosling on the mouth after she stabs him. Um, I mean, good stuff. It's just and it's not over. It doesn't like stewing that you know what i mean it doesn't like make no, that a big no. deal it just does it right. moves just on does it. Yeah. whereas in the alien covenant movie like david like makes out with himself and it's just this long oh, yeah. like drawn out and like what am i watching like is Let's this play the pan flute together david other oh, david <laughs> so uh yeah decker saves or uh ryan gosling saves harrison ford uh and says hey uh you don't have to uh uh, you're they're going to keep hunting you and or 
Harrison Ford's like, they're going to keep hunting me forever. And he's like, no, you're dead. Like, they're not going to hunt you anymore. And he's like, yeah, I'm dead. Like, what? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's very, yeah. very tidy. It very seems tidy. very tidy. Meanwhile, it, Jared, Jared Leto is still at large, like, making these robots. Like, right. you know, it's not, it's not as if, like, he's brought to justice or anything like that, which I liked. I liked that. I'm uh, glad that. Yeah. I mean, what, what's, what's, I mean, he seems unstoppable or un, untouchable and. Uh, for a second, I thought the robot army was going to like storm in, and I thought that would have been really lame. That was my problem with the robot army. It didn't really do anything. It's just there for that one moment of weakness to basically uh, manipulate and maybe program the robot. <laughs> you right. know what I mean? Like right. maybe they're programming Ryan Gosling with their sob story, which is essentially what happens when you deal with you know ideologue, ideologues. Uh, but anyway, so uh, Ryan Gosling takes Harrison Ford to meet his daughter. So Ryan Gosling solved the mystery, and you're like, oh. I'm like, what? Oh. And then you yeah. realize that his daughter, and going back, his daughter is the girl in the bubble that makes memories. That's why she was so profoundly like made sad when she saw Ryan Gosling's memory, because it was her own memory. And, and she then, said someone lived these memories, and when she means says someone right, lived these memories, she yeah. means they her. Even, I think they give you like the dumb, dumb flashback too, like going, "Hey, remember when this happened? Right? <laughs> hey, right. remember when this happened?" And you're like, "Oh yeah, oh, oh. yeah." And uh, yeah, I didn't think of it before then, but you're absolutely right. I should have saw it coming. And yeah. uh, Harrison Ford even said when they were back in Vegas, "I had them scramble all the records. I told them what to do to hide, you know, because he was used to finding uh, these replicants. He." was able to tell it's basically like when a, a cop becomes a serial killer you know they know exactly what the cops think and can avoid uh detection right. so and he's like i had them scramble all the records so i just don't know how i'd like to know hey. at what point ryan gosling got these memories yeah that's a good question um and, and what was the and i and i think that that what you learn later is that they all have them right really yeah because they, they, when he meets the, when she, he meets the robot rebellion, whatever they, they basically say like that's we, we all wanted to be special. We all wanted. Oh no, that. I just thought it was more, that was more general and more vague. Like oh no, I think that they all have that memory. I think they share it. Um, oh, and that's what that's what drives them to be the new yes. crazy replicants. I think so. Yeah, could yeah. be. But that's then you would think re- that's how I read it. Anyway. But my but that's there's a problem with that because you think one of them probably would have got closer to the mystery, but nobody seemed to. Well, they all I think they, they all know. They all know and kept is. their mouth shut. They all like think, solved yeah. the. They saw yeah. they went on the same journey that Ryan Gosling went on, but none maybe of them. Maybe not. Maybe not as directly, but I think that they know because like a couple of them know. I mean, that one woman was was around. She was basically involved. And right. so I think that she's she's kind of just like kept it on the DL with a lot of them. Yeah, um, but I don't. Uh, but th- that's fine for her to know and just tell people. But uh, you're you're supposing that all the re- robot rebellion replicant army have these false memories and they were questioned themselves and that's why they're not obedient anymore. Well, I I think you have to wonder how obedient they are because even even with Gosling, he doesn't kill a human being, and so he does lie. But he never kills another human. So, and that—that's another re- thing I really like about the movie. Does he? Does he save Harrison Ford because he's making a personal choice and he's and he does and he doesn't want to kill him, or can he just not kill him? And that—that that opens up the question of whether or not Harrison Ford's a replicant too. If he's a replicant, he could he should be able to kill them. But if he's not a replicant, he shouldn't be able to, right? Yeah, I guess my uh... and and the, and the question is: Is he replicant or is he? And how much of it matters? Because. He, clearly he's alive and that's really all that's that and, that, and that's the whole point is uh blurring the lines between these the replicants and the humans in general so right. that's the whole that's the whole point so i agree with you i think it doesn't matter but at the yeah. same time like I, I think you just have an initial reaction and i still think what would be more profound would be to robots synthetic life forms creating their own and kind of being independent uh, instead of integrating with human beings, which essentially what would be if Decker was a human being, it's like humans and replicants can mate and create a third option. Like right. that to me uh, uh, appeals to me less, even though that makes that's uh, often the salve for war. You know what I mean? Like um, integration with between two cultures as opposed to. Uh, I guess one culture going off and dominating the other or just 
Like it's the Battlestar Galactica thing where yeah. they just go off. Like the Cylons like become better than humans, and instead of like fighting a war for too long, they're just like fuck it. We don't need humanity anymore. We're just gonna do our own thing. Um, I I don't know. I uh, I agree with you. It really doesn't matter. But I I, I guess I have to pose you the question: What do you think is more impactful or profound? Having two replicants replicate <laughs> or a replicant and a human? I, I I don't I, I don't know. Uh, I think either way, it's it's pretty it's pretty profound. The fact that like I mean, here's the thing: Rachel is definitely a replicant, no matter what. For sure, right? Yeah. And she gave birth to a child, and that's something that's that a miracle. Right. So I feel like that. Yeah, that's like that's the thing that's the most important thing. Um, and and the other the other aspect is like we look, I hate to keep coming back to this is like whether he's a lot whether he's like a replicant or not kind of detracts from the central point that it doesn't really matter right because i mean he's clearly alive he's clearly growing older he's he he's the same character either way he's grizzly old harrison ford you know he's getting drunk in (laughs) vegas and just like ryan just like ryan gosling he was in love and is forced to question the authenticity of that love exactly exactly yeah um, forever, and he's completely alienated and alone, thinking about it. Um, so I don't know. I, I guess I, I still think he might be human, honestly. Um, but I'm, I'm also perfectly fine with thinking he's a replicant. But I also like the the ambiguity because it definitely calls into question whether or not Ryan Gosling's making a choice, or if he's just programmed to not kill Harrison Ford. Um, because you know, he lies a little bit about the identity of the, well, he did, like, if he, the kid, but I, that's really all he does to go beyond the, you know, his, his programming. Well, my, 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 the way I would question that would be if he's just following, if, if the reason he didn't kill Decker and saved him is because he couldn't kill, there's a difference between killing and letting die. And I feel like he could have easily let Decker die. Yeah, I don't know how it works, man. I don't, I don't no, know. No, no, but do you, are you, you program? Are you programmed to like? No, you're not. You're not, not kill someone, or you because are, so like. Well, so said, if you're seeing a whole bunch of kids die and you're a replicant, well, okay, they're, look, just, they're just gonna be like, no, just let them die, man. Just let them all right. So go back it. to remember when he crash lands in the dump because the garbage people from Walking yes. Dead take him down. Doesn't he break yeah. a couple of people's backs? Or are they all replicants? I think those dudes are replicants. Could be. But I don't, I, that's, a good, that's a good question. Well, know. how does, does and then how would facts? he know? I thought they were just blowing up because she was like drone striking them when she's getting her nails done. No, he first thing he does is like he he's groggy. He wakes up and he grabs some dude who charges him, lifts him up, breaks his spine, and then shoots two other dudes and say, "Okay, everybody, calm down." <laughs> <laughs> I like yeah, and I did true. like I did like the violence <laughs> in this movie because it was kind of like understated and just kind of happened and it wasn't dwelt upon or glorified. Even though it was brutal at times, like the um, you know that the assassin karate chopping the guy in the back of the head and his basically his eyes just uh, became all bloodshot. I like that. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Great movie. Uh, I did want to mention one last thing, and I guess I'll tie it to uh, uh, Game of Thrones because George R. R. Martin was is and always has been a short story writer, and he has this story called The Meat House Man, uh-huh. uh, and it's about a guy who. Um, you know, in a dystopian future, but like on another planet, um, basically they have corpse handlers where, uh, there's, there's dead people, um, that they use where one person can basically remote control like a drone corpses. Okay. Uh, so they use them to like mine and harvest, um, you know, whatever minerals from these planets where there's really nothing else going on with the planets besides these corpse handlers. And he's a shy kid who's, like, you know, going through, like, I don't know, late puberty slash teenage years. And he goes to a brothel with the guys, and he's just like, oh, man, she was great. George R. Martin and the brothels. Yeah, well. well, George R. Martin story without the brothels. Well, it's about dead people, too, being controlled like marionette puppets, which seems like what's happening in um, Game of Thrones and uh, Song of Fire. Anyway, but he goes to this brothel and he's like, oh man, it was great. And they're like, you fucking idiot. You were controlling that dead person. (laughs) They set up the brothel that there was basically a corpse. And he thought the corpse was being manipulated by another corpse handler. 
but he mm-hmm. was doing it. And then uh, he tries mm-hmm. to find love with an actual human being and it doesn't work out. So he tends to have these, uh, you know, she's a very, uh, you know, independent, strong woman and she does not reciprocate his love. And he has these other relationships with these women that are easily domineered and basically just do what he wants them to do. Very similar to his like corpse handling uh, kind of situation. So it it basically asks it, it, a lot of the same questions where you just don't know with what you had was really love or if it was just kind of like you made it whatever you wanted to in your own head. Mm. Yeah, that's interesting. I don't know. Uh, it's good stuff. It's depressing as fuck, too. I'm sure. Yeah, you should definitely read it. Anyway, okay. all right, um, so let's give, uh, I mean, I guess I know your rating, but if you were to give it, uh, you know, on the five stars, ten point scale, half star increments. Uh, wait, five stars, <laughs> ten point scale? What the fuck? Uh, I, I give it four and a half stars. There you go. You you know you know what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> so it's essentially a nine. Uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't get the five stars, ten points. Like, what the... I, I don't know. I, I liked it being uh, intentionally confusing. It should just be like uh, five stars out of five stars, but I don't want people saying like, you know, I want 4.75. So I don't uh, know how to express that. But whenever I explain it to people, it just sounds way overly complex. But yeah, half star okay. increments, zero to f- five stars. I'm going to go ahead and give it a solid four. Um I, I liked it a lot. I Like I said, maybe another viewing will make me appreciate it even more, which I think will be the case. Um, I recommend I, everybody I said that. Did you watch it in IMAX, by the way? Uh, I watched it in 3D in a larger format, but it was not IMAX. Yeah, so a couple of people have said that they really enjoyed watching it in IMAX, so I might try to see it like that. Although it's bombing, so I don't know if I'm going to have luck doing that. Yeah, what um, do you see? But, what do you think is, I mean, because people are saying, well, you know, since this bombed, they're never going to make, like, serious sci-fi again for adults. No. Well, I mean, like, the first movie bombed, too. So clearly that's not necessarily the case. Right. Um, but, you know, it's a movie that basically kind of questions how special people are. And I think that that's a tough pill to swallow. You know, it's like a three-hour sci-fi you know, visual masterpiece that basically asks the viewer to question how significant their individual individuality and, and life is. Um, so that's, you know, not everybody's going to be like, yeah, <laughs> like that. I want to see that Hulk um, movie. Uh, yeah. Right. <laughs> Hulk smash. Right. Yeah. But that does look good. I can't wait for Ragnarok. They say oh, it's really good. I'm excited about that too. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> All right, Jeff. Well, thank you for joining me on this uh, journey. I'd really wanted to talk about this movie because I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, and yeah. I, hope, I hope there's more, Hope I I will say I think we'll do more of this podcast when there's more movies of note that we want to see. Really, I think that that helps. The enthusiasm <laughs> helps definitely. Uh, you know, I don't want to turn this into like a Rotten Tomatoes kind of like uh, you know we hate this movie. Uh, but that might yeah, be the case. It's 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 fun to talk about movies we genuinely like. Um, yeah, but maybe we can do a trash night. We'll see. Yeah. All right, Jeff, thanks for joining us. And uh, once again, Jeff is uh, – um, list off your titles um, for <laughs> – Father, uh, <laughs> lover. Brusher um, of teeth. No. Uh, I, I am the co-creator, co-writer of uh, the Greater Boston Podcast, which is a fictional audio drama set in an alternate universe, Boston, where crazy things happen like – uh, the red line, which is a subway system in Boston, Boston becomes its own city uh, with people living there and, and all sorts of crazy things. So check it out. Very good. And um, also, guys, listen to uh, A Shame of Thrones is going to be gone for a while, and I have the podcasting bug. So against my better judgment, I think I'm going to podcast about The Walking Dead again this season, even though I know it's a terrible oh, idea. <laughs> Can't, I can't I can't do that show. I can't I can't do it. I don't know what other shows are out right now though that I'd want to talk about. Like um You watch Mr. Robot? Yeah, I I I I I watched the first like five or six episodes of season one while it was happening and I enjoyed it and then it just kind of it, it was just all over the place and I just didn't know It's definitely was, all over the place. Well that's yeah, the thing he, is I didn't I didn't know what the show was trying to say or go and I, I really didn't care after a while. I thought yeah. I thought it was Did too you, so disjointed. You didn't, finish, you didn't finish the first season? No. I, I recommend it. Um 
and then you'll know whether or not you want to keep going. Because something happens at the end of the first season that puts the show into a very unique perspective. Okay. Um, but also, it's not it's not necessarily a, a fresh perspective. Well, the thing is, um, the whole time I thought it was like a Fight Club kind of situation where you don't know like how like who is fake and who, what are figments of his imagination. Um, well, yes, that's and accurate. that's that's it, right? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I didn't. And that's that. I we now just spoiled Mr. Robot for everybody. Well, guess what, guys? <laughs> if you haven't seen Mr. Robot, it's. Uh, yeah. But uh, yeah. but that's what I thought Sorry, they were getting on. at. Uh, but I, I don't know. I was not excited about that. Oh, I started Mindhunter on uh, Netflix. It's pretty good, but it's not episodic. It's like all out there. And David Fincher's directing that. I don't know why. Oh. Yeah. David Fincher's directing a Netflix TV show, but he is. Uh, it's pretty all good. the episodes or just like uh, one? At least the one episode I've watched. So. Okay. Yeah. Um, but anyway, guys, I'm going to be doing the walking dead. It's going to be terrible. Um, but I, uh, <laughs> but it's going to happen and hopefully this, uh, this, this podcast will come out, uh, more regular, but we'll see how it goes. All right, Jeff, thanks for joining us. And Anytime. Take care guys. Thanks for having me. All right, bye.